Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, everybody? February 20th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, joined as always by Sean Ross Sapp. Lots to discuss in today's episode. So many stories to catch up on and other uh, little tidbits from Sean and myself. Hope you guys are all doing well. Hope uh, all you Americans had an amazing President's Day. All you Canadians had a wonderful Family Day uh, long weekend. We're back. We're going to talk some mixed martial arts. We're going to talk some craziness. We're going to talk about UFC Austin, what went down uh, in Texas. Everything is bigger than Texas. There's some crazy things that went down there, especially some of the post-fight speeches. But we'll get into that a little bit. We'll wrap up uh, and get some thoughts from Sean regarding Bellator 194. We'll preview UFC Orlando. It's a pretty good card, if you ask me. Uh, we're going to be joined by the headliners, Jeremy Stevens and Josh Emmett. Uh, we'll have our pros. They'll give their picks on some of the uh, potential victors uh, coming up this weekend. Shorty Torres, whose uh, fight I called uh, at Titan FC, he will join us as well. And let me tell you, if there is a, a, a flyweight and bantamweight prospect out there, mainly flyweight because that's where he wants to fight, uh, this is it. He is by far, in my opinion, the best flyweight in the world outside of the UFC. And he'll join us uh, a little bit later on the maybe, show. Maybe Connor. one of the best bantamweights in the world, too. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 something else, man. He's he is something special, guys. He's so good. This is how good he is. When Sean Rossap texts you on a Friday night around midnight or just after midnight to let you know that Shorty Torres is something special, you got two of us that are saying something is very important. That you guys need to be paying attention to. In Hopefully the middle of a Bellator show at that, like I, yes. I made time to watch that Shorty Torres performance. I got to say this: 
I often find out through people on Twitter. I said this to my friend Lena on Twitter, who's also from Toronto. I haven't quite figured out the Canadian holidays yet. Yeah. So I never know on any given week when my coworkers are going to be in the office or not. Uh, now, of course, we had President's Day Monday, but I- I'm going to be honest. Nobody here gives a shit about that. But you all have Family Day, which sounds way better. 100%, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's literally awesome. – Yeah, it's literally a day designated to spend time with your family. Now, you should be doing that every single day. Uh, but it was something the government said, you know what, as Canadians – Family is extremely important, and you need to spend time with your family. At the very least, one day a year, figure it out. Jimmy, where are you, man? A two-bedroom? I'm good with. Just move me up there. I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome. It's 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 something. And and for those that follow us on Instagram, follow or on social media, you can follow Sean at Sean Rossap. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. All my son wanted to do was go bowling. To go bowling with mom and daddy. I said, all right. We went bowling and he's got he's he's got my he doesn't have my learning curve, he's got my competitive spirit. Uh, unfortunately he'll he he's one of those guys, and I'm sure you know lots, Sean. I mean, even in adulthood, yeah. where people they're, they're, he's the, he's got the type of personality right now which I'm trying to curb and I'm trying to chip away at, but he's that kid that thinks he can do anything, but the minute he's unable to do it, he wants out. He wants out, and no amount of advice will help him in the moment. It takes time. So when he does listen, he's getting spares. He's almost getting yeah. strikes. But when he doesn't listen, he's hitting the gutter, this, this, and that. Same thing with soccer and hockey when, when I coach the teams or whatever, right? The minute he starts paying attention, he's, he's an athlete. He's definitely an athlete. But when he's not, so we went to bowling. We had a fantastic time and uh, came home, chilled, and uh, we just hung out. So last week, I showed them a hoe video. And I teased this week because I remembered that this thing got me hired by Fightful, essentially. Now, I'm going to show you all the clip, and I'm going to show you all the clip of the guy. Like, you're actually going to see the guy in action. Uh-oh. Maho. So, Joe, if you're able to, go watch it uh, on the, the YouTube window because I know you can't see this clip. <laughs> Check it out. We'll, ha- we'll have a second. And yeah. uh, I'll tell you, Maho does not look like somebody you want to run into in a dark alley. Yeah. Oh, trip up nicely done. Oh, that was a low blow. Maho, uh, Maho is not happy about that. No. Yeah, I would expect Maho to be very aggressive here. Maho is foaming from the mouth. Lynch holding on to Maho. Away right now. Lynch trying his best to choke Maho. What a brutal beating Maho is taking here. Going for the choke. Jacob Lynch trying to finish this. Can he survive? Can Maho survive? Maho not using his knees at all. Getting it done. Maho can take a beating. Oh, and and Dave Maho might be in trouble, but he's still in this. This is insane. What a fight. Maho's corner is encouraging this. This is insane. This is great. Flying knee. What a way to end the round. Maho's corner is actually laughing and cheering. Maho's corner is thrilled. It is, it is. Wow. Lynch has landed shots all over Maho. I don't I don't want there to be a loser here tonight. That's the way. I'm just having a blast, man. I don't think I'm ready. Maho's corner man is wiping up the wetness with his own shirt. You can't make this stuff up from, from the... The ASAP fight team, they are the most colorful fight team in the country. They're great. (laughs) I love these guys. I love watching these guys. This is awesome. Maho is exhausted. 
<laughs> I would guess so. So is Lynch. They both look wore out. Uh, Maho seems to be loading up for one more big shot. And it's like, it's just not there for him. <laughs> I just, I, this fight. He's going to have to reach down in his reserve tank. Love it. Love I was uh, far too proud of myself on that night. <clears throat> I did several color commentary jobs in the Northern Kentucky area. Then pro wrestling, MMA, all that stuff. I would manage fighters. I coordinated fights, uh, talk kickboxing, anything that I could do in order to get some experience. That way, when I come on a show like this, I have a little more credibility to, to, to lean on. I had some experience, things like that. So I got brought into this show, Absolute Action MMA. I've done some fight coordinating for them. I've, I've booked some fighters on their shows because I managed a fight team. And this guy would not tell me his last name. He was just one of those, I'm in the zone guys. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And if you saw the way that he fought through that fight, yeah, I kind of believed it. He was a zombie, as, as all those guys are. So I said, man, I'm not hooked into the ring announcer. We've got noise-canceling headsets on. I can't hear anything besides my partner, me, and a producer. That's it. We went producerless that night. It was us. Ooh. Us the whole time. So wow. it's basically me and Chris Smith, the guy running the ship. Because it's a very, you know, it's, I don't want to say very low level. They've had actually a lot of UFC fighters end up from that promotion. But uh, I couldn't hear the ring announcer. So as Rick Toms is saying his name, which he pronounced Mahoy, we can't hear a damn thing. We don't know. And we got to stay uh, hooked in so we can hear each other. And we don't know if a producer's coming at that point. Because occasionally somebody would pop in, get on the mic, and feed us some info or something like that. Like if there's a clock error or something like that. So we didn't know his name. And I was like, listen, man, got to go with what I assume otherwise. <laughs> and that team is just, it's full of just some, some colorful people. They thought it was hilarious. They thought it was funny. But... A picture from that event I used as my profile picture for a long time on Twitter. <laughs> and it's really? got yeah, it's got me in a blazer uh, on a <laughs> on a headset, and that was my profile picture. It was a good picture. And uh, as Jimmy Van is looking for someone to anchor his website, who knows pro wrestling, MMA, and a little bit of boxing, he starts reaching out to people. He found Bill Apter, who was a legendary pro wrestling journalist from years ago, and Bill Apter said, "Well, there's this Sean Ross Sap guy." Jimmy went to my profile, saw that picture, and was like, you know what? He at least looks the part, gave me a call, heard about things. So that picture may have had a small part, at least in the call, he told me that. He was like, oh yeah, I like that you do commentary. And I'm thinking, you might not when this clip comes out. But as it turns out, that clip, I, I thought it was like a couple years ago. That was in 2015. So, my God, my God. That was... That was the story of Maho, and I never never got to really have a moment like that again. My fightful schedule has been really demanding. I've only been able to do commentary here and there. I am going to wrestle some this year, but I haven't been able to get in the, in the commentary booth in a while. But, hey, you never know what can get you hired at Fightful.com. We ran a story yesterday about a woman saying that her boyfriend had a yummy and good-looking penis. Come on. Yeah. Got major Reddit buzz so hey you guys are killing me you guys are so absolutely killing here. me oh you just wait until today i've got i've got special surprises 
why doesn't that surprise it's me at all? Lined up. No pun intended. So let's talk about Shorty Torres before we get into the, the UFC talk. And I, I like what he says here. Actually, we'll just go right into it. Let, let's hear from him. Right after Victorious, Shorty Torres defends one of his two belts. The champ, champ emerges victorious. Shorty, what a fantastic performance, man. Thank you. You know, he was definitely an underdog, but the number two, number three, number four, they didn't want to take the fight. This guy was just brave enough to stand up and take the opportunity, and I can't thank him enough. You know, do I believe he was at my level? No, and I was able to show that today, and I believe that I'm ready for the next UFC, hopefully UFC Chicago. Well, I mean, I thought it was a great speech you had at the end there, obviously, for what happened in Florida. But at the same time, you know that UFC event's happening in Chicago. A lot of us were talking about it beforehand, but you had to take care of business tonight. He hits you right off the bat with a right hand, I believe it was, and your left eye be- immediately began to swell up. You told me the last time you fought, sometimes, Joe, I forget to move my head. Yeah, it definitely happens a lot now. I have to get reminded by getting punched in the face a couple times. And, you know, sadly, it's just, you know, my fighting side. Take a few just to be able to learn to keep on moving. And that's what I did. And, hey, I was able to finish because of it. Kamar Usman and I were talking about your systematic performance. You're very strategic. But as soon as there was one minute left in the round, you decided to switch gears. Is that the strategy? Uh, you know, I always start slow. I wanted to finish in the first round my last two fights. You know, sadly, I haven't been injury-free. I've been out for, for a while, and because of it, the UFC, I've, I've had to deny the UFC a couple times. So for me, I wanted to be able to finish in the first round, be injury-free, and have to keep the fight standing, make it every single possibility to show that I'm not just a flyweight fighter, but a dominant one at that. I knocked out every single flyweight I face, and oh hell, I keep on doing it today. Social media is kind of blowing up about you right now, and of course, I'm getting messages saying, man, that Shorty Torres guy is something special. I mean, what else do you need to do to prove that, you know what, UFC should be calling. Yeah, this is my statement. I'm not ready for a call, I'm ready for a contract. And there's a difference I'm trying to put in today. I put in the work. Now it's time for them to just do theirs. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much. One of the things I like about Shorty Torres so much is how uh, realistic is he is in his expectations. He wants a call, or he doesn't want a call, he wants a contract. And the difference in that is they've offered him some short notice stuff. He doesn't deserve short notice stuff. He deserves what he deserves, and I mean that's that's coming from like almost appearing out of nowhere, Joe, out of, out of nowhere to become a double champion, to defending both of those championships, showing how versatile he is, showing how dominant he could be, and he he was realistic about his opponent too. He said. He wasn't on my level, but the people that were on my level wouldn't take the damn fight. And now here he is, 7-0. and People have gotten into the UFC on far less, especially at flyweight. And not only that, I mean, I know it was a battle to even get a damn fight. He had like three fights canceled before uh, the Travis Taylor fight even came to be. And we're talking about a guy who fought for several years as an amateur. Was he ever beaten as an amateur? I think he was 25-0 and or 25-1. and But I'm pretty my sure God. he was undefeated, yeah. He's got tons of experience. I mean, his skill set is fantastic. And even leading up to this fight here, by the way, everyone who watched that clip there, I apologize for the lack of lighting. We were just in the, in a scenario after the event where Shorty was doing a bunch of things. And I said, dude, let's let's just do an interview for Fightful. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, it's like anything for you, Joe. And we were that was the only spot because if you looked at the video, there's people running around, moving things around. So I couldn't get him into the cage to get a better shot with a light. So we just did it there. I just wanted to get his thoughts because, I mean, even leading up to that fight, he told me flat out, he's like, look, 
or Orlando, it, it, he's not on my level. This is an Apollo Creed Rocky story right now, and I was just kind of like, dude, I talked to Kamaru Usman, and Orlando's a bad, bad dude. He's He's got skills. He's like, well, that's fine. He's not on my level. Like, okay. And he showed. He showed why. And that that combination to end the fight was, I mean, it was it was so crazy that even I lost my mind. And when I lost my mind making the call, I looked over at Kamaru Usman, and he's, he, he was just like, that's his training partner, yeah. and no one does that to him. And he was just like, wow. You, you were singing the praises of Jose Shorty Torres long ago, and, I mean, you've had a front row seat to see him yeah. through virtually his entire pro career, just, and you turned every, me on to him yep. very quickly. And the thing is, like, had the UFC given him a fight after last January at 3-0, and I would have been like, you know what? Why not? He beat Pedro Nobre, who at, round. before that was 17-2. and two. The, there are four people that have beaten Pedro. Ali Bagatinov, Jose Shorty Torres, Tim Elliott, Shaman Marias. So though, this is a guy who had you know fought in the UFC, and the reason that he was out of the UFC isn't because he lost. It's because of you know something that happened that Dana White didn't think quite fondly of, and that's the feigning the shots to the back of the head. And Pedro Nobre got beaten. No problem by Jose Shorty Torres that early in his career. The man deserves a contract and deserves that notice of fighting on the UFC prelims in Chicago. I think that's a no-brainer. How do you not do that? How do you not get a guy like that? You're starving for flyweight stars. You're starving for flyweight names. He is uh, a guy who says what's on his mind and uh, has the pedigree to back it up and doesn't waste any time reinforcing that pedigree uh does jose shorty torres because here we are already i I often wonder if the ufc is is sitting there looking at a fighter who's so engaging on social media doesn't stop with his social media posts on on all kinds of mediums uh and and is constantly trying to promote themselves himself unlike other ufc fighters under contract who don't do anything pretty much they don't say a word they don't promote themselves at all this is a guy that does his fighting in the cage and promotes non-stop outside of it like are you is the ufc trying to control his message are they saying you promote yourself too much you can't he's constantly on social media when he's on his, during his downtime his rest prior to naps sean is on social media and he will social media himself till he passes out and then he'll wake up and then see what's left and then go and train, do his thing, make sure his diet is on point, blah, blah. He's absolutely uh, – he's something to behold. The, the guy is – he's just a, such a nice guy, always smiling. He's a completely different person in the cage. We've heard that story a thousand times. But this is the guy that saw me in Oakland Park after I landed walking uh, to grab a bite to eat because I had just landed. And he was cutting weight and he ran to me to say, what are you doing, Joe? You can't be walking in this neighborhood at night. You can't. Take that watch off. I had my Hugo Boss watch on. He's like, take that watch off. Put it in your pocket. He goes, I'm coming with you. No matter where you go, I'm going to come with you until we get you back to the hotel. Like He's just that type of guy. Yeah, we're friends. That's one thing. But just a super, super nice guy. Speaking of super, by the way, everyone, live chat, top right of your screen. Feel free to uh, engage Sean and I in conversation. Tony Meekin posted that. Uh, my wife puts up with me every time watching you guys on my 55-inch TV. She always gives you a wave, LOL. Naomi says, hello, guys. Naomi, what's up? What's up from Canada? What's up from Sean Rossap? Uh, down yonder, down south, we're having a good time. Now, in this, like, I kind of want to bring this up because – Jose Shorty Torres marches to the beat of his own drum. He's 
not hesitant to say no to the UFC if he's hurt and doesn't think that it's going to play out well for him. We had a situation last week where former UFC light heavyweight champion Rashad Evans said that essentially Tyron Woodley should get along to go along or whatever the hell the saying is. Now, I, I am quick to criticize Tyron Woodley when he says some of the things that he does. But I think that's absolute horseshit. You should have a chip on your shoulder. You should always strive to be better. Tyron Woodley should believe all the things that he says about himself. He should want the biggest fights. He should want all these things. Should he hold out until he gets them? Maybe not, but I hate the idea of, oh, you know what you should do, Tyron? You should just do whatever UFC wants you to. Never never aspire to be better than that. Just go along with what Dana White has said because I did it. I did it, and look at me! I'm 38 years old, still trying to get fights. I don't get it. I don't like it. I think there should be people like Tyron Woodley that, that try to buck the system, that, you know, maybe help lead the charge for a union, UFC, uh, maybe not a union, but a fighters association. My God, I don't know how, and I bet the UFC were probably regretted booking Kobe Bryant for that fighter summit, because... You want to talk about a pro association guy, Kobe Bryant, and you got Leslie Smith over here saying, hey, this is what I've been saying for a long time. <laughs> what Kobe's saying, you yeah. need guys like Tyron Woodley who are at the top, and even though they're at the top, they're still saying, I want more, let's get more. So I, I don't agree with Rashad Evans at all for that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know once George St. Pierre officially retires, uh, if he still wants to continue to leave a legacy uh, in the sport of mixed martial arts, if he doesn't try and get continue to get behind some sort of fighters association uh, to help the fighters uh, of the past or the future. Uh, I don't think he would do it now, uh, obviously, because it's the top guys. I mean, if you if you've got to give if you, if you've got to pay to get into a fight a fighters association, you know, and it's a cut of your purse. It, it's much bigger for guys like George St. Pierre and John Jones and stuff like that than it would be uh, for the Jose Shorty Torreses that are about to get into the UFC, right? So there is that dynamic right there. But Tyron Woodley uh, is at a different stage than, than than most fighters in their career. Number one, he's a champion of the world. But number two, he's not 25, okay? He's in his 30s, and he's got to make as much money as he can right now before the career comes to an end. And that's the thing that a lot of these fighters will never understand. I don't mean all, but a lot will never understand until after their career uh, has come to an end and they look at their bank account and they're like, I've got to survive on this for the rest of my life. What's next? Now, if you're going to be a professional fighter and you make it to the ultimate fighting championship and you're a champion for whatnot, when you retire, you should never, ever have to worry about money again. Ever. I agree. Um, I, and that's that's the benefit of an association. You get pensions. Uh, if you play like one day of major, if you're on a roster for like one day, you get health coverage for the rest of your life. What's this? What sport is this? Major League Baseball. Okay. And if you like, you get certain levels and stuff like that. And can the UFC do that? I don't know. Not maybe not at this point. But I mean, there should be like a pay in, maybe a stipend that that can help cover costs of camps and things like that. Which you know, the UFC's tried to help that a little bit by bringing in the Performance Institute where you bring in your own coaches, but you have everything at your disposal there, so maybe you don't have to pay as many gym fees, things like that. I think we need people like Tyron Woodley for better or for worse. We also need people like Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who this this booking, like I said, it's, it's creative booking, sometimes questionable booking. 
against a guy who had won three in a row in Yancey Medeiros. He lost three in a row. I did a post-show wrap-up podcast on Sunday night. Go check that out, guys. I love Sunday night fights, first off. That's, <laughs> that's awesome, especially on non-WWE pay-per-view nights. Give me my Saturdays back. I'll take these Sundays. Uh, but Donald Cerrone got it done, and that was a fun fight. Uh, a lot of sportsmanship. But it's it was like almost like a joke that they made on the post-fight. Like Once you start hugging Donald Cerrone, he's about to kick your ass. Yeah. I like the camaraderie. I like it, but at some point, it gets a little too much, right? Like, once it gets, I, I guess, I don't know. Even up until the referee says, "You ready? You ready? Let's go." That's it. Let it go. It's done, right? Like you get knocked down, and you know you're smiling and high fiving and hugging. It's a fight. It's a fight. Touch gloves, great, no problem. But it's a fight. Let's go. And then when it's over, no problem. But other than that, I mean, cool on Yancey Medeiros for giving Cowboy a cowboy hat uh, at the weigh-ins, and, and, and everything was cool. I get it. But it gets to a point where, I, I don't know, I think the cheese meter was kind of peaking. Oh, yeah. Right? It was moving. But uh, listen, good for them. They do, uh, you know, they, they put on a great performance. And I thought it would go longer. I mean, Yancey's that type of guy that will keep them in his last fight. You you saw what he brings to the table. He can he can definitely continue, but you know, Cerrone hits like a truck, man. Two seconds left in that first round. See ya. Derek Lewis defeated Marcin Tybura, uh, just eviscerated him in the last round. The thing that didn't sit well with me is Derek Lewis after the fight, even in victory, made an excuse, and I'm like, man, like you won. Cut it out, man. Like there's always something. Like there is. He's. He just I gotta take. I gotta take a shit, or my back hurts, or. I, I ate something before the fight. Oh, I didn't eat something before a fight. My God, man, you're a, you're a top 10, maybe going to be a top 5 UFC heavyweight after this. You need to get your stuff in order. You got to get... You are, you're, you're 33 years old. You can't just play around with this when you've got... When you're calling out Nganu and Overeem and people like that after the fight. You better make sure you eat the right thing before you fight Francis Nganu. That's scary. Or Curtis Blades, for the love of God. Yeah, well, the fact that he turned over to Jimmy Smith and says, look, I know you're new to the game uh, and you come from Bellator. Stop. Stop right there. Okay? I think I think it was kind of funny. <laughs> okay, funny. but then he says <laughs> says something to his wife at t- to close off the interview. Like, honey, be ready. I'm going deep. Oh, God. I must have missed that one. You that know, was for- the very last thing he said. I was just like, really? Okay, for that, like, for that, I... I... <laughs> It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's not, though. It's like you don't talk he to said, your wife that way. Well, he said his wife cut him off after the Rousey comments. The thing is, again, I say for better or for worse, he doesn't have a filter. And that, well, that's the thing. You kind of need a filter <laughs> in did. certain things. Going after another man's wife, or at the time, fiance, and then telling everyone to, to – telling your wife – telling the whole world, informing your wife to be ready because I'm going deep. No, we're going to have a, a full hour at the end of this year of just Sean yeah. Ross Sapp and Showdown Joe talk about Derek Lewis and the things that he says. Not even his performances in the cage, yeah. which which was a pretty good performance. And he went almost the, the full three rounds. But did hey, you say uh, was, was greasing? I don't know. I'm sure he did. I thought Tybura was going to win this. I, I didn't know where Derek Lewis's head was at, but... Uh, I know Marcin Tibera's head is somewhere like in the fourth row in Austin, Texas right now. Yeah, that finish Lewis was amazing. Oh, Jesus. So Tibera, I think, is down, down, down towards the end of the top 15. You know, who can he fight? I don't know. He's already lost to Timothy Johnson. So 
maybe Struve if he loses or something. I don't know, but Derek Lewis is going to get one of those fights. He's going to get an Overeem or a Blades or an Nganu or somebody like that because he won, and uh, it's probably good for the UFC that he won. Also, James Vick defeated the 39-year-old Francisco Trinaldo. He told uh, James Lynch on Fightful.com that the reason he took this fight was because at the time, Trinaldo was ranked above him. And as I've mentioned, a couple, just a couple bros that had won eight of their last nine UFC fights. Nothing to see here. No big deal. Man, James Vick is an enormous lightweight. And <laughs> yeah. It was, just, it was too much for Trinaldo to overcome. And I'm sitting here saying, man, you know what? I, I want to see him against Edson Barboza. I think that's the test for him. Edson Barboza is a good litmus test for anybody in that division. And this, this thing keeps rolling on. And... You know, he lost to Kiesa on the Ultimate Fighter, but when he was on that show, he beat Dakota Cochrane, Darren Crookshank, and Joe Proctor. Those don't even those aren't even reflected on his professional record. And those are three pretty good wins too, so I'm ready to see him take another step up. Yeah, for sure. He's a he's just fantastic, so also uh on this show I, I Curtis Melender defeated Tiago Alves. This is one that I predicted last week. Curtis Melender he just has all the tools, and it's he a shame. He, yeah, he's really good. He's got three knockouts, just knockouts, since October. That's kind of impressive. A couple head kicks and a knee. He put his tools together very, very well and employed all of his tactics. And like I said, Tiago Alves isn't what he once was, but that's a hell of a name to make a debut with and and win. And I believe Did we're you... gonna I believe we're gonna hear from him this week at Fightful.com. Yeah, did you think the first round knockdown was more devastating and the fight should have ended as opposed to the second one? You I know, mean, the second one was enough. Like it was enough, funny. Like, I, I joked. I was like, yeah, uh, after after that knockdown, after that round, I said that he almost had his third knockout in a few months. And Justin Golightly said he almost had his second knockdown of the, or knockout of the fight. Yeah. Now, would you have stopped that there? In the first round, if I'm, if I'm recalling what I saw, yes. Yeah. I think I would have stopped it because um, you, you have to know your fighter. You have to know your fighters, right? If if it, I'm not saying Tiago Alves is Josh Berkman, uh, I'm not saying he's um, somebody that would get knocked out that easily. But he's older. He's not going to react the way his body would have reacted five, ten years ago. So the minute I start seeing him in trouble, I'm going to be paying close attention. It's not a guy that's in his prime. Melender's in his prime. You know, I'm expecting a, 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 the speed and the power, maybe not the power, but the speed uh, to be a lot for Thiago Alves because Melender's super fast. So if I start seeing him in trouble and he starts getting knocked down and really, really bad, I'm, you know, I'm going to be on my on, almost like a trigger finger. I'm going to try and stop this fight, right? And the fact that he got knocked down and Melender was like, woo, steps away and ref didn't stop. He's like, okay, and he went back in. Man, kudos, kudos to uh, – because Alvis came back. He was trying. I mean, that's yeah. the heart of a warrior. He was just like, let's do this. But, yeah, I think I would have stopped it, Sean. I probably would have too, and it was Jacob Montalvo. And I'll tell you a big issue I had with him on this show. He stood up Sarah Morass from I thought was a rather active top position. And it changed the the entire outcome of the fight, in my opinion, because Pudilova got up, cracked her with a couple of shots, and Morass was not the same after that. Also, I want to say – Morass is among the most active fighters off of her back that yep. I, I have seen in the UFC. She never gives up on a submission, always chains it into something else. I like watching her, but I think that Montalvo may have very well taken money out of her pocket. Now, I don't know if starting the second round, maybe Pudilova would have landed those shots anyway. But standing up Morass from that spot, I thought was was bad. 
just outright yep. bad. Um, yeah. Well, did Jimmy Smith? Wasn't he like? I, I know I'm talking a lot of Jimmy Smith, and I never talk about some of the other color commentators because <laughs> let's let's just be let's call a spade a spade. I'm not a fan uh, of some of the color commentators. I'm much more of a fan of Jimmy Smith. Uh, does he make errors sometimes? Yes. Do I make errors? Oh, yeah, right. I do. Go watch some of my Ryzen pronunciations sometimes. So yeah, I mean we're not we're not perfect, but Jimmy Smith is one of my favorites because. He's, he talks to, to, to the viewer in a manner where it's like to the hardcores, he's not making them feel stupid or he's not, make, he's not making it – he's not dumbing it down too much. And to the newbies, he's not making them feel stupid. He's that really good mix in the middle where he's educating and giving options. And that's what I do with Camaro and Frank Trigg. If you guys have ever watched my stuff, I will always sort of present it to either or, uh, especially Camaro if he goes into a lull. Frank will never go into a lull. Kamara will sort of – notice how I, when I do Ryzen, it, it's Frank's over here. And when I do Titan, Kamara's over here. That's that's how we sit. But Kamara will – like I, I, I've got to get him going sometimes uh, unless he's really, really amped up for a fight. But I, I present it in a way so the color commentator can basically give you an option, give the fan an option to say this guy's in trouble, needs to do this to get out of this. This guy's about to win the fight. If he just adjusts this, he wins the fight. Right, I like, and yeah. that's what Jimmy Smith brings to the table. So I kind of like Jimmy Smith, and he mentioned about Montalvo. Like, just like, dude, what? What? You're standing this up? Oops. Casey Walton says, waiting for a fight team to form between Morass and Maho. That's what we need. Other other happenings on this Casey show. Casey Walton. <laughs> Can I like that comment? No, it's not good. Not a good idea. No. There, but... Every fight on this show either had a great finish, I thought was a good fight, or had stakes to it. And uh, Alex Morono uh, hopefully ended Josh Berkman's career, UFC career, because I don't, I, he doesn't need to fight anymore. Like, you know, I think, I think five UFC losses in a row. He's won one UFC fight in his three years there out of like nine. It, it's time. Uh, Dakota had a big knockout win. Roberto Sanchez scouted Joby Sanchez perfectly, uh, like knew that he was going to give up the back, landed that submission. Jeff Neal with an ugly-ass bulldog choke, but it got the job done. Carlos Ferrer over uh, Jared Gordon. That was a nice one. That was a nice one. couple things, if I may. I, I wanted to get your thoughts because I was going to – unfortunately, I didn't see the event till I think I watched it yesterday, so I wouldn't be able to do it live, but – I want to get your thoughts on Jeff Neal's corner after the fight. Yeah. Paying almost no freaking attention to that gash. Oh, yeah. That was like spitting blood. It was just coming out, and they're too focused about trying to get his shirt on and blah, blah. I'm like, guys, y- y- your boy is like, he's got a gash. It's not a cut, it's a gash. Get the, get the cut man in right now. I know the fight's over, I know he won. Oh, yeah. But you want to save that cut so that it, it heals properly so in his next fight, he doesn't get a left hook that splits it open. Like, come on. I was just sitting there going, what? What are you guys doing? And then the poor guy, I mean, th- there was one fighter at Titan. Um, I was trying to get his corner because when the camera's on Kamaru and, and the fighter in the cage, I have the, I have uh, either a winning corner to my uh, – sorry. The winning corner was to my left, and they're facing me. And I'm snapping my finger trying to get the corner's attention, and I'm waving at the fighter – because I'm going like this. Get your mouthpiece in. Get your mouthpiece out. And then poor Jeff Neal in his post-fight interview takes out his mouthpiece and a gob of spit Ugh. just sticks on his beard. 
And I mean, what's Jimmy Smith supposed to do, dude? Wipe your beard, right? Like, I, I mean, it's it, it. I felt bad for the guy. Um, so there was that. The the bulldog choke. I like it. Oh, I do too. I like it. That, you shouldn't Carlos, get submitted with it, but no. <laughs> you, well, Pat Belichick got submitted with Carlos Newton. If that thing yeah. is locked in tight, that thing is locked in tight. Yeah, sure. But I mean, once it's locked in, it's locked in. Uh, <laughs> this judging in the Sage Northcut goatee fight, you know, I'm I'm conflicted on it because I could see some judges giving it to goatee, but I like that Northcut was rewarded for actually doing things. I like that he was rewarded for trying to do damage and staying active, but I want to know how you felt about that. Um, well, according to Jimmy Van, uh, Northcutt got the hometown decision. Uh, I can see that, and I can see if they gave it to Northcutt because they're, they're, it was 29-28. Okay? I get it. I see it. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, and I know Sage has his copious amounts of haters. I enjoy watching Sage Northcutt fight. He's got a lot of good tools too. That like when you look at down years down the line, it's like man, he's he's far ahead what many people his age would be. If you look at he threw in the second, I think it was the second round when they were sitting there, Sean and um, Goatee was coming forward and he was fainting and he waited for the step and as soon as the step came, he threw the elbow. I love it. But it wasn't. It wasn't a Muay Thai elbow because, you know, the Muay Thai elbow, it's almost like you've you got to hit yourself in the chin mm-hmm. or you're bringing it across. You're doing this. He just did it like almost David Loazzo because Loazzo would always use his right. But as the, as the fighter came in, he basically walked into the elbow. And I'm like, that's a fantastic technique because yeah. it's usually the technique or the strike that you don't see that isn't thrown with power that causes a lot of damage. It's the shocking technique. The other thing with Sage, if you look at some of his scrambles, you look at his takedowns. When he, he was doing some old-school Josh Koscheck takedowns, as soon as he would go down and start to, to, to penetrate with the takedown, he was exploding. But he would give up right away if he wasn't going to get it. Why waste the energy? So I'm looking – and he called Uriah Faber Mr. Faber. That was great. That, I mean that kid's just a good kid. He so, always calls Ariel like Mr. Hawani on his yeah, show I mean, stuff like that too. I, I, I have all the time in the world for Sage Northcutt only because you know, you know you, you're a public figure now. I'm a public figure. You're always going to have haters, and you don't care what the haters say because they're not you. They're not doing your job. I got all the time in the world for Sage Northcutt. I don't care if he's a good old boy and not a good old boy. I don't care if he's a uh, you know a a, a, a a churchgoer, super nice guy, Jesus this, Jesus that. I don't care. He's a good good guy, and you know happens to be a fighter, so I got no problem with him whatsoever. Yeah, I, I mean he is, I think five and two in his UFC career, and he's 21 years old, about to be 22. Everybody's expecting him to show up and just dominate. That's guys. He's he's 21 years old. Let him let him grow. I mean, that's what the UFC's doing here. And I didn't think Goatee did anything with those takedowns. So I'm glad that that Northcutt was rewarded for actually staying active. Now we also have UFC Orlando coming up soon. And we spoke, or actually James Lynch did rather, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, and of course YouTube.com/slash/Fightful. Spoke to the headliner, Jeremy Stevens, and one of the things that he, he brought up was kind of the notoriety that Stevens got based on that Conor McGregor comment a couple of years ago. Take a listen. He's obviously really impressed, and, and as they should be. I mean, you've got a bunch of really impressive wins. I, I got to know, though, how did this all come together? Because it seemed like the matchup sort of happened pretty quickly after Josh won his last fight. Uh, just, it just so happened, man. I was uh, two days. I was sitting back and uh, enjoying some family time. 
got a, got a call from Dana said, Hey, I uh, got a great opportunity for you here. And, uh, you know, another main event. And, uh, you know, I, I said, say no more, dude, uh, count me in. It didn't even matter who the opponent was. And, and, uh, you know, here we are, uh, back to back fights, main events, uh, came out healthy. That was a good thing coming out the fight. wasn't sore. Uh, three, three days later, I was back, uh, training, hitting runs and, and, uh, back into camp and, uh, you know, Josh Emmett, here we go. And what does it mean as a fighter just to have the UFC's, uh, you know, confidence behind you, putting you in another main event like this? Like, it's, it's a pretty big deal, you know, to headline back-to-back cards like this. Uh, yeah, that's great and all, but, uh, you know, that's just me. Uh, follow my career, I like to fight and fight uh, frequently. So, uh, you know, whether it's UFC or any promotion, I've always loved to be active and fight. You know, I'm young, I'm healthy, uh, you know, and... You know, as you as you get older, you're not you're not able to 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 do the sport in your 40s and 50s. You know, some some men are, but you know, you got to take advantage of the opportunities that are, that are coming now. And uh, that's that's what I wanted to do. I, I've been begging the UFC and Sean Shelby to get me to fight. You know, at least three times a year. And uh, you know, what better way to kick off the year and fight in January and February? So I'm sitting pretty good, and and uh, I know I'll have another fight by the end of the year, and I'm looking to put myself in a great position after this fight. Um, I wanted to ask you, obviously, uh, you know, people watching this, uh, you know, there's the McGregor fans are going to come out and use the, use the quote, which is probably the most annoying quote in MMA that ever existed. Do you ever regret saying that to McGregor at all, just with the fact you get all this dumb, you know, comments here and there on social media? No, not at all. I, I don't. You know, what I, what I spoke was the truth. Uh, I feel like I'm a great stylistic matchup for McGregor. And, uh, you know, if that fight comes to play out and, uh, you know, days to come, then then it does. But, you know. It is what it is, man. What's done is done. I can't change the past. I, you know, I, I can't predict futures. The only thing I can do is just uh, whip uh, Josh Emmett's ass, and when it comes my time to get in there and step up and perform, uh, that's what I'll do. Uh, anything after that, you know, or before or after, you know, I'm I'm living in the now. You know, I'm having a great time. I'm sitting back, relaxing, training, playing video games. I'm eating my eating my diet. This is what I'm doing now. This is what uh. These little simple things that I do every day to go in there and perform the way I perform, and uh, you know I, I don't worry about that. It's all it's all funny, fun and games, and and uh, you know I actually I like the I like the Irish fans. I think they're some of the best fans in the world. I wish the American fans were more like them, but uh, you know uh, it is what it is, my man. Okay, fair enough. Uh, do you think McGregor's going to come back and fight at all? So after that, after Lynch asks him if he thinks that McGregor will come back and fight at all. Stevens just says, I'm not answering any more McGregor questions. You all can see that full interview over at FightfulMMA.com under our exclusive section. Now, after this happened, after that McGregor thing happened, it, you know, I don't think it had any effect on it, but it didn't help that right after that he lost to Frankie Edgar and lost to Moicano and all that stuff and had lost like three or four. He won over Barrow and all that, but for years... There wasn't a whole lot to Stevens' claims that he was the hardest-hitting featherweight. He finished Dennis Bermudez, and that was it before Duho Choi. And and since, like, 2013, I believe. So, what do you think... I mean, people are always going to associate that comment with Jeremy Stevens. But beating Melendez and Duho Choi back-to-back is, is fine and nice. But do I consider either one of those real top-ten talents? No. Uh, do I consider Josh Emmett a top-ten guy? I don't know. I don't know if I consider Josh Emmett that either because he missed weight against Ricardo Lamas. So I don't know what kind of effect that would have had for better or for worse. And Josh Emmett's thing up until the Lamas fight, he hadn't exactly been that hard-hitting guy that maybe he has that reputation for after Lamas. Do you think that like 
Jeremy Stevens is going out because when he throws, he throws with intent. He does do that. Do you think he's trying to reinforce that point that he made or he was trying to make to Conor McGregor? Or do you think that's even in his brainwaves at all? I don't think it's in his brainwaves at all because I'll tell you what, uh, back-to-back decision losses to Cub Swanson and Charles Oliveira. He follows that up with the flying knee and punch TKO of Dennis Bermudez. He then goes the distance with the current featherweight champion of the world, Max Holloway. He de- he then defeats Henan Burrell. That Frankie Edgar fight, go back and watch it. Don't be surprised if you... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com actually score differently because Jeremy Stevens really put it to Frankie Edgar and Frankie Edgar is arguably uh one one a in this division okay maybe not with Josie Aldo he's at least top three no matter what uh no matter no argument there uh that Moicano fight despite the loss it was a split decision could have went either way the beating he gave Gilbert Melendez especially with those leg kicks was a sight to behold because no one had ever done that to Gilbert Melendez even if many of us think that Gilbert Melendez isn't who he once was okay then Duho Choi, everyone was all about Duho Choi uh, and his fight of the night performance with Cup Swanson and the way he performed. And this guy is the next title challenger. Well, Jeremy Stevens put an end to that in the second round. Jeremy Stevens, like you said, when he punches and he throws bombs, he, he he's not sitting there jibber jabbering. He's not sitting there throwing you know uh, you know punches and bunches. He, he's there to knock your teeth out. He's there to have chiclets in your mouth. He's there to dislocate your jaw. He's there to put you to sleep with a doctor waking you up out cold with a flashlight in your eye saying, you okay, son? That's how Jeremy Stevens fights. So when you look at his body of work, I mean, this is the prototypical guy that Ryzen would love. Because win or lose, it doesn't matter. Jeremy Stevens comes to fight. So they don't they don't count losses over there. right? They just sit there, you want to fight? Yeah. Fight. That's the type of fighter. This, 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 this guy should be a fan favorite. He may not be a fan favorite to all the Conor McGregor fans. And I know James Lynch basically said that, you know, it was a stupid comment and it's annoying. But listen, man, that's the greatest comment of all time, probably. One of, one of yeah. Conor McGregor's greatest of all time. I get a kick out of it. It has nothing to do with, you know, Jeremy Stevens whatsoever. It's just the greatest comment ever. You know, it was absolutely hilarious. Now, Jeremy Stevens, I, I've met him numerous times. I've interviewed him. I got all the time in the world for him. Because no matter what, he's always showing up to put an ass whooping on. Do I think he's doing it 
to prove a point based on what he said? I don't think so. I think it's just the way he fights, and he'll continue to do so because he will just simply go out on his shield. And the last time he went out on his shield, Sean Ross Sapp, was Eves Edwards in 2012. Yeah. Six I, years ago. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, you know, is he is he a top five guy? I don't know. Can he hang with top five guys? Perhaps. He's faced everybody there is to yep. face. He is. He just takes on everyone. Uh, let's hear from Josh Emmett. Two ten, you lose that really close fight to Desmond Green. People thought you might have won that fight, and then you know, fast forward to to end of last year. I mean, you're headlining this card now. Has that kind of hit you at all? Just how quickly you've turned things around? Uh, no, it it really hasn't. You know, to me, it's just another fight. You know, I've been doing it so long, like I said, and so it feels like I'm just fighting on the regional scene. Okay. Um, you know, I'm just on that much bigger of a platform, and uh, it's just nice, you know, because I've seen all my teammates, all this, like, happen for them, them rise, and, uh, you know, now it's it's my time, and I just got to go out there and do what I do best. And how quickly did this matchup come together? Because it seemed like out of the blue, we just see that you're fighting Jeremy Stevens and you're headlining the card. I mean, how did this sort of come together? Yeah, so uh, first off, I was... They offered me Brian Ortega, and okay. that was going to be a title eliminator fight. They wanted us to, uh, you know, headline the fight, and then it would segue right into the very next weekend of Holloway Edgar, the winner oh, of us, was okay. get the winner of them. Um, but you know, he he didn't accept it, and and I kind of get where he's coming from if I put myself in his shoes. Um, so I didn't think I was going to fight till like April or May because there's no one else for me to fight. And uh, Sean Shelby was saying he didn't want me to fight anyone out of the top ten because it makes no sense. Yeah, and. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, uh, actually going back to that, like I was watching the Troy Stevens fight and I just had a feeling. I said, watch this. They're going to offer me the winner of this fight. I just knew it, but I didn't know it was going to be that fast. Okay. So, you know, I'm back in the gym. I'm helping uh, Andre Feely uh, get prepared for his fight because I, I have similar style to Bermuda's. And uh, then they just called me out of the blue, my managers, and they said, hey, what do you think about the Stevens fight? I said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I was like, when is it? And they're like, the same time, you know, February 24th in Florida, main event. And I was like, yeah, it was sooner than I thought, but I, same thing. It's an opportunity I cannot say no to. So I said, yep, let's do it. And uh, and here we are, you know. A lot of respect to both of these guys for taking that fight on such short notice because this show really, really needed it. And uh, this is a – I say it really needed it, but it just needed something at the top. I don't think this is a Fox headliner. But my God, this show is good. It has a lot of good people on the show. Like, it has a lot of my good people. God, <laughs> just a lot of good fighters are on this show. People that that could very well be contending for titles very soon. Who who do you have? Who do you have winning this Emmett Stevens fight? It's Sean. a pick. It's a pick 'em for me. Um. Okay. You and I have talked about it before, recency bias, right? We know what Josh Emmett did to um, Ricardo Lamas. Um, is it a pickup fight? You can make the argument because, I mean, you look at the odds right now. It's a minus 160 favorite for Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett, a plus 140. I got no problem with those odds, man. I have no problem with those odds, and that's what I'm leaning towards. I think Jeremy Stevens can pull this off. But Josh Emmett, man, with a victory over Jeremy Stevens, you took out Ricardo Lamas and Jeremy Stevens back-to-back. We need to be paying a little bit more, I guess, closer attention to this guy. Uh, I think Stevens does emerge victorious, but this is a fight, kids. Main event, five rounds. 
We'll see. Yeah, I, I got. I think Emmett's gonna catch him, maybe clip him. But I mean, can I? I want to see him finish a guy like that when he makes weight. That's the thing. That is a big test for me, making weight and finishing a guy like that. Uh, enough of what we think. Here is, <laughs> and this is a pretty long pros pick. Here's what the pros think. And I feel like that's kind of that's a pick em. You know, Jeremy Stevens is a much more season the fighter but josh emmett is kind of like the dark horse man he's a tough tough guy he might have what one loss on his record uh, i discovered him when he fought my teammate chris osiagos in northern california before that fight both of them said was like the toughest fight they've ever had it got fight of the year in that organization that fight got josh emmett signed into the ufc i've had my eye on him since then he's been killing it he's a super tough guy um both guys, now that Josh Emmett comes off with that big win over um, Ricardo Lamas, it, uh, now he's got this one-punch knockout power, you know what I mean? So, like, I think it was just perfect timing. I think he does hit hard. I don't think he hits quite as hard as Stephen Thompson, though. Um, but I'm just going to go with Stephen Thompson because it's a safer bet. He's the more seasoned uh, fighter. He's got the one-punch knockout power, and he's got so much more of a diverse game now with the leg kicks and the knees and everything. But... Real quickly, devil's advocate on that. When you see guys fighting back-to-back, it's a 50-50 shot. You never know, man. Are they banged up? Was it the right decision? Did they get a little hit in the head? And then now they're kind of somewhat concussed for the next fight. You never know. I mean, Bisbing is not a great example. You saw Bisbing fight twice in a row within a couple of weeks or a month. Didn't play out well for him. So you don't know. Jeremy Stevens. Sorry, I'm forgetting everybody's name. You don't know which which opponent, um, I mean, which Jeremy Stevens is going to show up being that he just fought not too long ago. So has he just been trying to stay polished? You know, when, where Josh Emmett, on the other hand, has been like grinding and grinding and going through the, you know, the camp. So it's always a hit or miss when you fight back to back. You never really know. You know, Jeremy Stevens is my boy and I hate picking against, you know, uh, you know, a friend or whatever, but I, I think that Josh, Josh Emmett wins that fight. I think stylistically, um, he can win that fight for sure. Um, uh, the well-rounded, um, explosive, um, you know, and I think I think he's, you know, he's um, hasn't taken as much damage in his career. I love I love Jeremy Stevens, bro. Guy goes, I like he's the fights that I like to watch. If if the UFC put Jeremy on, on on the card, I'm gonna watch as a fan. So guy's super nice guy as well. Had we had great relationship. I had the opportunity to train with him before in Vegas, bro. I'm always Jeremy. I got Jeremy put in pressure. I know Emmett hits hard. He's kind of has a good wrestling, but I think Jeremy's well around, like, bad in every respect. Guy can take a punch. He punches harder, too. Has good wrestling offensive and the defense. Has the card you have. He's coming on a good momentum, too. A couple beautiful wins. I got Jeremy on that fight for sure. 100% Jeremy. Oh man, I got a root for my boy Jeremy, dude. You know, I you know I sparred. You know when I when I sparred Jeremy, Jeremy is the hardest hitting dude that I've ever sparred with in my whole entire life. Headgear, sixteen ounce gloves, his right hand hurts like hell. You know, so I you can't bet against little heathen, man. Michael Johnson was just talking about this. Michael says no way he thinks Stevenson's gonna win. So me and him got a kind of little friendly bet, but um. 
Emmett is tough, man. He's a gamer. He has that. He has a punch that, like, you got to get it out of the way. You can't. You can't stay around in there. And I think Stevenson. He's a tough guy, and he's gonna think he could just take it and just. I think I'm gonna go with Emmett. I'm gonna go with Emmett. I think Jeremy Stevens. He's he's got good momentum right now. He's proved he he's got a good chin, and I think he's got a little bit more experience in the big fights right now. So I'm I'm kind of going with him. I see Jeremy winning. Um, he's uh, someone that I've I've been watching for a while. Uh, he's devastating. He's, you know he punches you with any hand from any angle, and you're going to sleep. Uh, I think Josh. Uh, he's dangerous as well, but. You know when he fought um, when he fought uh, Ricardo Lamas, you know he caught him, man. And uh, I think like if they fought again, you know Ricardo could, Ricardo might win, you know, and it would go back and forth. Uh, I think Jeremy's obviously the more experienced guy, and I think he is more well-rounded, and I, I think that I think he'll I think he'll get the win. Yeah, man, I've been really impressed with Emmett uh, lately. You know, he's uh, he took that short notice fight with Lamas and and came out victorious with the KO. That was really impressive, and and he seems to be a guy that's improving fast. You know, with Team Alpha Male, but uh, Stevens is a guy that I always love watch fighting. You know, from day one, that guy uh, comes in with a lot of heart. He's not afraid to get in an exchange with you, and uh, he seems like these days he's become a smarter fighter as well. A lot of leg kicks, you know, chewing up the legs, a little bit more movement to his game, and uh. I think Stevens is on another level right now. He just beat uh, Duho Choi, and uh, I think Stevens will probably take that one in the end. I don't know if it'll be a finish or not, but I go, I'm going to go with Stevens. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I think, you know, Emmett will probably end up leaning on his wrestling, you know, and I think uh, he'll probably take away a decision. Ah, man, that's a hard one because Emmett's got power, so he could clip him, but Jeremy's got power, so he could clip him as well. I just think Emmett will kind of steal the rounds with his wrestling after all the stand-up exchanges? Um, I think uh, Emmett is a huge guy for the division. He made the way. Last time he didn't make it, but it was a short notice, so nobody can co- complain about it. I think Jeremy, when I see him lost to Moicano, I can see him lost to Emmett. You know what I'm saying? Like comparing about who, who he lost before to. Um, he has the knockout power, but the other guy got probably more power. And got the wrestling, too. So I will give it to Emmett. He's a newcomer, and I like what he's doing. Jeremy Stevens, man, he's come he's come a long way. He's always been exciting to watch, but uh, but now he's starting to put everything together and starting to to, to really uh, you know make a name for himself and, and go straight for the top. I, I think Jeremy Stevens take it. Two heavy hitters. Um, I think Stevens is going to come out on top of that one too. Stevens is a tough dude. He's super smart when he fights too. I know a lot of people don't really. Think about it. Think about that, because he just comes in throwing bombs. But he's actually a pretty, a pretty smart fighter, um, and he does well. Uh, Josh Emmett, no slouch either. He's from, uh, he's from Faber's camp, right? Super, super short, packed little, little muscle ball there. You know what I mean? That guy's super strong too. He hits like a damn truck. Um, it's gonna be a good fight, but I think that Jeremy's gonna have the speed advantage on him. Um, they both have. What a uh, co-main event this show has. Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres, had they slid her in to that title fight, I wouldn't have blinked. Jessica Andrade, a woman who has fought at 135 and met uh, a fair success. I mean, she beat Raquel Pennington, who is competing for a title there. Some of the other wins that she had that division maybe don't look as good because they belong in different divisions, but... 
At 115, she has beaten Angela Hill, Joanne Calderwood, Jessica Panay, Claudia Gedalia. I was a little bit surprised. I thought for sure Andrade was going to go up to 125, but it didn't happen. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. I think she belongs in that division, to be honest with you. Uh, I also, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm missing here, but she's a massive favorite. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask that too. Like, Minus 320? Yeah. Uh, plus 260 on Tisha Torres. A couple bucks on Tisha Torres. Never hurt nobody. If you can afford to lose it, put it on Tisha Torres. You just never know. It's a fight, and I don't know. I mean, Andrade is good, but I think Torres is better than what the odds makers... Well, it's not the odds makers. The odds makers make the lines. It's the public that determines, or the sharks that determine where the line's going to go. And it's getting worse. I mean, it's continuing to go up for Tisha and down for Andrade, so... Huh? Tisha's never been stopped in her career. I think when you have a fighter like that, I don't think you can set that kind of a line when she's competed at the level that she does. I'm talking against Michelle Watterson, Rose Namajunas, uh, Felice Herrig. Uh, like she, she's faced the good, the bad, and the ugly of this division. Like for better or for worse, she's like there aren't a whole lot of names that she hasn't competed against, and she's got to win over the current champion in the division now granted that was way earlier in rose's career before she was at the level she is now but it's still something you can build towards uh as far as jessica andrage won four of her last five so i can see why and her last one was ridiculous yes yes exactly well, and well, a lot of people were who was it that said that um Gadea basically didn't even train for this fight that didn't train but didn't even take it too serious well I, she learned <laughs> she learned on that day who do you have winning yeah. this fight? Because I don't – I'm hoping this brings Atisha Torres out that we haven't seen before because, you know, she she showed a little bit in the Lima fight. But other than that, yeah. that was her first career finish. That was her first career finish, and that could be a catapult to more. I mean, she's going to have it tough with Jessica. Like, Jessica's going to put the pressure on her, and if Andrade decides to control this fight, which I'm sure she's going to try and do um, – it could be a challenge for Tisha. If Tisha's footwork's on point and her timing is on point, the only thing is is that she's got beautiful technique because of her Taekwondo background. She just, If she was to sit a bit more in her punches, just my opinion, but if she was to sit more in her punches, she could knock some women out. And, and I think to be able to it, – it's dangerous throwing a knee against someone like Andrade, but that might be the difference maker. You know, get, I think what you have to figure out is one of two things when you throw a knee against someone like Jessica Andrade. A, what happens if it lands – B, if Andrade does follow through the takedown, mentally speaking, I, might, I either have to defend a takedown, scramble if I get taken down, or if I do hit her in the chin, follow up and go for the TKO. So when you're training for a fight and you get, you're get you at your peak, or, or not your peak, I guess it is your peak, at fight night, those are the things that should be automatic for you. You react. You should be able to react. So if Taurus, I mean, that could be the biggest difference here. I don't know if late kicks are going to do much to Andrade. I could be wrong, but Tisha's technique is fantastic, but she better be on her bike. She better be on yeah. her bike and use her distance. For Tisha, like, that's that's something that you mentioned about how, about sitting on her punches and things like that. If I think she'll be forced to do that because Andrade is going to come forward. This could be one of those fights that's either really, really exciting or maybe not such a crowd pleaser. More of a technical battle if... Uh, Torres takes it upon herself to pop in and out like she does so often. Enough of what we think. Here is what the pros think. 
<laughs> will be a great fight, I think, be, uh, between two very strong girls because we saw the last fight of Jessica Andrade with Claudia Gadelia and it was an impressive fight. And Tisha Torres, every time in her fight, she's showing that she's real warrior and doesn't matter what, she's go there and fight until the end. So I am expecting very interesting and very unexpected fight. Man, both girls looked phenomenal the last couple of fights. I was just today talking up Jessica Andrade. She's she impressed me. Who did she beat her last fight? She beat a Claudia. That was uh, that was to me her most impressive performance to date. I've ever seen her look so good on the feet, and then she outgrappled the bigger, stronger Claudia Gadelli at the black belt and just manhandled her. Literally threw her up in the air and, and tossed her around that fight. But um, but Tisha Torres, man. She looked great in her last fight as well. She looked super ripped, man. God, I don't know who her strength coach is. So I'm going to have to play the safe bet again and go with Jessica Andrade because she looks so much better over a more dominant opponent. The, to, to do that to Claudia Gedalia, uh keeps you in high regards. That's going to be an amazing fight. Actually, you know, Tisha, she's an, an ex-training partner here at American Top Team, so I'm rooting for her. Uh, Jessica Andrade is an amazing fighter, a lot of talent, you know, very strong, very powerful. But I have, I'm gonna give it to Tisha. She's gonna, she's gonna use that her karate to, you know, in and out and tour, and then, uh, you know, hopefully she, she takes the decision. Tisha Torres, I've, I've been around her. She's really, she likes to use technical. She's tiny, um, given tiny tornado, and uh, Jessica Andrade is tough, you know, and I think that's what she's got going for her. So I think it's a good matchup. I think it'll be a tough fight. Um, I'm not sure who's gonna come out with a win though, honestly. Yeah, Andrade is really impressive. That girl looks like she's crazy strong. Both of them are strong, actually, but uh, I'll probably go with Andrade on that with a decision. I would say Tisha Torres will win. Um, she just she's she just goes 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 goes, and she has great um, she has great cardio. Um, I haven't really seen Jessica Andrade too much. I've seen her, I have seen her compete a little bit, but I think Tisha will be a little bit more well rounded. Uh, yeah, Tisha and I were castmates in the house, so uh, she was she was a really pleasant person to be around, and um, I think she'll do great against her. I think I think that's Tisha all the way. Tisha Torres, I don't know. I, I think she's a little killer. You know, I like her, so I'll go with her. Mm, I think I think maybe Jessica, maybe a decision fight. God, you know, right now the the strawweight division is is sacked, and every girl is good, and sometimes it's stylistically where they match up and uh and and sometimes it's whoever's night whoever's on point you know because everybody's so good now um with that particular fight uh Jessica Andrade is, is a very strong competitor but Tisha Torres is on a really good streak right now so I'm I, I it's hard to pick who I'm going for you know that's just that's gonna be a terrific fight it is very interesting but honestly the way how uh Jessica like did so good against uh Claudelia I think she's going to, like, just maul Tisha. I mean, she did so good. That was, like, I think one of the best fights, like, best female fight that I've ever seen was Claudelia and Jessica. So I think I'm going to go with Jessica. <laughs> you know, I see I see Andrade winning. I think that she's still, um, she's still one of the top three girls in the world, and I think that she... Um, She's going to be, she's aggressive and she will take chances and she's not going to accept being on the outside, losing a decision. And, and she's, she's a very strong wrestler. I mean, Tisha's a hard match because Tisha's one of the more athletic girls in the, in the, in the whole UFC. 
with a, with a good kicking background and everything like that. But I think Andraj wins. I like both fighters, so this is a this is very uh very uh sticky for me because I, I like Tisha. Tisha's a sweetheart, and I got a chance to meet Jessica, although I've fought her before, and there was a language barrier, but it was so funny because Chris was my translator, and we were actually talking three-way, you know, translating everything. Um, so I, I like both girls um, for this fight. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Tisha on it just because I'm pulling for her. I do want to see her uh, have a shot at the title. Jessica has already had a shot a shot at the title, so I do want to see Tisha. I want to see what she can do. I mean, she's, she's had um, a really good run. I think I think on Josh, man, she's a a chick's animal too, but she's she's just a different breed of girl, you know. She comes out she comes out crazy and she just doesn't give a shit, you know what I mean? She will she will she will put try to put you out knowing well what well that she could be put out at the same time, but just does not give a shit. So I'm gonna go on Josh on that. I, I don't know because I, I feel like Jessica Andrade she's she's really tough and She's a good wrestler, and like, uh, she's got great takedowns and everything. But uh, I feel like um, I think a striker. I think she's weak with strikers. But um, I don't know too much about her. But but you know, uh, uh, Tisha's gonna come out there and outstrike uh, or try and outstrike her. I don't know who's gonna win. It, it could go either way, in my opinion. Just because you got a striker and a, and a grinder, so um, I feel like it could go either way. I'm gonna go with Andrade in that fight. I think she's just gonna she's just gonna both girls are are you know cool with standing in the pocket and turning into a brawl so i think it, it won't be an easy fight but i think andrage is probably a little bit more um well-rounded and she probably has a little bit more power well i fought guys of course we have all these full pro picks videos over at fightful.com and fightfulmma.com as well as youtube.com slash fightful i'm talking like tons of exclusives james lynch hooked us up. We don't have to look for guests anymore because James Lynch just hits us with a constant barrage of of interviews and pros picks and things like that. OSP Lou Latifi. Uh that one's another pick'em, at least from from the based on the odds. Elo Latifi has beaten John Vellante and Tyson Pedro, so he's he's fought some guys that are at that fringe level. I want to say that OSP is a step up in competition for him, but based on how he performs on any given night, you never really know. Uh, I don't think that Elor Latifi is going to hold on to a guillotine and when OSP has him inside control. He's a much better wrestler than that. But uh, OSP had, had went off of losing three fights in a row. Jones, Manawa, Ozdemir. You want to talk about a murderer's row? to winning three fights in a row. So he's right back in the hunt now. I'm totally picking OSP by Von Fluchuk. Totally. I mean, give me a prop, I'll put money on it. My I promise God. I will. Yeah, I mean, uh, but the one thing about either Latifi, so the one thing about OSP, first things first, is that you never know which one's going to show up, although he has competed against the best and the best in this division. The other thing is either Latifi seems to up his game Depending on who he fights, yeah. right? So it, it's going to be a fun fight. I mean, this is your, you know, go grab a beer, but enjoy your beer fight. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, this is exactly what this fight is because OSP might be just be too technical for Latifi. Or Latifi might just say, screw you and your technique. I'm going to beat you down, son. It's one of those things, right? Well, Mike Perry and Max Griffin might be the get shit-faced and enjoy yourself fight if it even lasts that long. 
Mike Perry, he's got to be in a co-main event against Donald Cerrone sooner or later. Win, lose, or draw, I think. Like, that's a fight you got to make. And you can make it in, like, March or April if you wanted. Yeah, I mean, Mike Perry should be dealing with other guys in this division than Max Griffin, but tis what it is. I, I agree. Like, Max Griffin lost two or three fights, and one of those guys is Colby Covington. But I think that Mike Perry, for the name that he has built for himself this early on in his UFC career... I know he's coming off of a loss, but he's 4-2 and two in the division. I think he deserves somebody else better. I think that uh, Perry's going to win this, and I think he'll win it in the first round. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the hype train was quickly derailed by Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah. So, you know, we were we were looking for, um, you know, Perry and Darren Till to go at it and stuff like that, but Ponzinibbio was like, here, right here. Hey, guys. Hello. And he made a huge statement with that fight. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Santiago's career coming up. But right now with Mike Perry, this is just simply that, all right, give him some confidence again. Let's get him a win. But uh, if Max Griffin beats him, holy smokes, Houston, we've got a problem at welterweight here. What a fall from grace for Henan Barrow. He's on the prelim card, which is still on Fox. So is it really the prelim card? I don't know. Uh, former Bantamweight champion who has lost three of his last four it seemed it feels like he doesn't fight ever, but he does. Like, I don't think he's had more than a like eight nine months out of the cage, but he's really extended that. He's taking on Josh Emmett. Before we get into this, or not Josh Emmett, rather Brian Kelleher. Let's hear from Brian Kelleher. You got to talk about this matchup. You're fighting Hen and Brow. I mean, how happy are you to get this matchup? How did this sort of come together with you getting to fight him? You know, it was, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with this, this opportunity. You know, uh, the UFC, you know, took a little bit of time to get back to me. I fought last October 21st. You know, sometimes it takes longer than you want. You know, coming off a win, I'm 31. I, I love rolling with the momentum. You know, I want to keep getting in there. I'm, I'm staying in shape. I never fall out of shape. So when, I, when they said Hen and Brow, I was like, wow, like this is, this is a good sign of things to come. I think the UFC likes me. You know, I think they uh, they enjoy my fighting. I've gotten two bonuses so far out of my first three fights, you know. And now here I'm fighting a top 10 guy. I don't know what his ranking is, but I know he's up there. He's a former world champ, you know, and uh, I couldn't ask for more. Like, this is, this is the fight that, you know, people are going to find out who I am finally, you know. Is there any concerns at all about him making weight? Because I know uh, his last fight against Aljamain Sterling, uh, they, they, you know, the commission said, "Hey, you got to be, uh, we got to do this as a catchweight," because they were worried about it. Have you? Have, was there any hesitation there? Yeah, no hesitation. You know, for me, it's like I look at it as like if he misses weight, I'm still gonna fight him. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, he's three, four pounds heavier. No, I don't want to fight. You know. I'll, I'll take the 20, 30% gladly. I know he's making more money than me probably. So for me, it's like, hey, if he misses weight, it's whatever. You know, I know he had the catch weight at 140, but uh, I know, you know, he's probably made some changes. He's at American Top Team. So hopefully he comes in in shape, you know, uh, which I, I, I'm i looking to fight the best Burrell and, and we'll see what happens. I feel really good about the matchup. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of angles, kind of similar to the way Dillashaw fought him. You know, he kind of set the blueprint out there, how to how to get uh, Burrell frustrated and get him flat-footed and, and towards the later rounds tends to gas out a little bit. So, you know, that that's pretty much my plan. Kelleher is only a plus 130, which I think I think he's going to press the action. Hennon Burrell hasn't shown me at all in the last three years that he can finish a guy, and that was Mitch Gagnon. And let's be honest, 
the fight wasn't necessarily going his way early on. I think he would have liked to have finished off Mitch Gagnon much earlier than he did. Not many people know, but Mitch blew his knee in that fight. So There there you go. And the Uriah Faber fight, maybe he would have finished Faber, but I thought that was just a goofy stoppage. And I think maybe the cage miles caught up to him. I think Brian Kelleher is going to push it on the ground. He's going to push it on the feet. I have Brian Kelleher for the upset here, but uh, what do you think? Cage miles or sort of a combination of cage miles, beatdowns by TJ Dillashaw, USADA. Mm, yeah. I, okay. yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah. Another interesting fight, Sarah McMahon versus Marion Renault. This is a good fight. A very good fight. So good that we, we went and got Marion Renault. Here she is. You're supposed to fight Jermaine Duranamine on that card. Uh, do you feel like you guys are ever going to fight? Because uh, no one really knows what's going on with her right now. I have no idea. I don't even know if she's ever going to fight again. I'm pretty sure she's going to. I mean, she's been posting a little bit on Instagram. Um, so I, she, I'm, I'm, I suppose she might fight. But as far as her and I fighting again, I don't know. And if she does, she would have to come down this way instead of me making the trip out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. And and again, speaking of switch-ups, you were supposed to fight Tanya Evinger on this card. Now you're fighting Sarah McMahon. Uh, you go from, you know, Tanya Evinger is, you know, sort of well-rounded and Sarah, who's an exceptional wrestler. Um, have you had to adjust much in training with the new opponent? I think Sarah's real, well-rounded as well. I think she has kind of upped her game, so to speak. So I think she's going to be just as a worthy opponent as Tanya would have been. Uh, the strategies, you know, they're similar not exactly the same. So, you know, we're, we're kind of anticipating, you know, every aspect of the game. She's going to be there. Yeah, and uh, Sarah's been on a roll lately, especially since, uh, you know, she, she fought for the title. And ever since then, she's been sort of unstoppable. Um, where do you feel like she's sort of improved in her last couple of fights, just looking at her as an opponent? I feel like she's improved with her striking just a little bit, and I think she has too. So I, I think we'll see um, a little bit more of that. But she is a grappler, and you can't take that away from her. So, you know, we'll possibly see some of her ground game as well. As far as training camp goes, I imagine it's just business as usual, you know, training in MMA Gold and everywhere else that you've been training? Yeah, MMA Gold. Um, I, I go there every once in a while. I mean, they are about four hours away, so I go when I am available to. Obviously, you know, I like cross-training up there, especially with Aspen um, and working with Jim and the other coaches. Um, I do train down here in multiple um, locations. I do a lot of my training um, with my elite family, um, definitely my jiu-jitsu, my groundwork, and I do my striking with Eloy Garza, my boxing coach, and my strength and conditioning with another coach um, at 5.0 Fitness. So I'm kind of you know, I go everywhere, but that seems to be what most fighters do. I mean, this is a small community, so there's not just one gym that has everything for MMA. Um, you know, we're a small we're a small town, but I th- big things can come out of small towns. I like Renault essentially saying, if Durandamy wants to fight me, she's going to shit it and get off the pot and fight me here, as opposed to wherever the hell else she is. Says maybe she doesn't even fight again at this point. And this is weird. You win a UFC title, and you're just like. I'm cool forever. I'm cool forever. But McMahon versus Renault. Now, here's the thing. McMahon can keep herself very relevant in the division with a win over Renault because a win over Renault is big, in my opinion. But she's already lost to Amanda Nunez. So winning four of her last five, if she wins this, doesn't mean as much as most. Marion Renault, however, if she wins this fight, it'll be four straight fights unbeaten. And she should have won that fight over Petschkohea. There, that was not a majority draw. She should have won that fight. And beating a woman who made it to a UFC title fight says something. And uh, 
Should she have beaten Ashley Evans Smith too? Yeah, I think so. I think she should be riding a five fight winning streak right now. And in this division, that gets you a title shot no matter who you are. And now we're in a situation where uh, maybe some other people, like Caitlin Vieira, might be contending for that, or maybe she jumps up and fights Cyborg. There are a lot of options for these 135 women when they get on a hot streak. They can compete for two different championships now, essentially. Yeah, I think you're bang on with that. I'm, I'm just looking at, you know, Marion's record and thinking to myself, which one of these elite wrestlers gave her a hard time? Oh, none. Yeah. Sir McMahon is a different beast than everyone she's fought. Although Holly Holm, uh, in, in defeating Marion, it was a decision. Um, but I think that with, with what Sarah McMahon brings to this, to this scrap, it's going to be a difficult situation. That, that quick jab and that overhand. It's like almost every wrestler is like they inherit it when they move over to pro wrestling, or not pro wrestling, MMA. They have a quick jab because they're used to leading with, with they're used to yep. leading that way, and then they have that that strong overhand. This is uh, l- like under the radar. One of the fights I'm most excited about seeing. Also, Angela Hill, Marina Morose, couple of women. Uh, you know, you, it seems like Angela Hill is like a prospect, but she's 31 years old. Angela won that fight in July last year, kind of kept herself alive and stuff. But I think if she wants to keep her her like her relevant hopes alive, she's got to beat Morose. And Morose just came off of that loss to Esparza. She lost to Letourneau. Uh She she was kind of coasting. Get it? She gets a big fight here and there because of that win over Calderwood, which was awesome, an incredible performance a few years ago. But how do you see Hill and Morose going? My only knock on Hill is not because she's my favorite Twitter personality out there, fighter on Twitter, uh, and then she gives me lots of love whenever I do Ryzen events. Um, I just every time I see her compete, I'm like, what is it about her that she just can't win these fights or pull the trigger? And I'm like, you're, you're looking at a human being that doesn't do performance enhancing drugs. She's all natural, and I'm like, I wish she could just get some extra strength on her. Uh, I don't know what – I don't think plyometrics would help her, but they will for fighting. Yeah. But just get that extra meat on her bones to just generate a little bit more power and explosiveness, and I think she could be a force at straw weight. It's just that every time she competes, it's that little small minute intangible that I think is missing from from her, her competition, right? Yeah. I'd like to see her win. Right, and, and for for Marina, it's it, it's going to be a great scrap as well. But you know, Angela's the favorite in this fight. I'd like to see her win. I really would like to see her. If I take nothing away from Moros at all, I just want to see Angela win because I think she's just such a good person. It's just something. Just, just I think it's just power and strength is the only thing missing from her. I'm not condoning. I'm not suggesting she take any PEDs to get <laughs> that strength, but something. Sure. Yeah, no, something has to happen with her 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 body or physique to just generate that power. Also in the prelims, uh, Sam Alvey's on the show, Ronnie Yaya, a couple of good fights there. Ben Saunders, Alan Juban looking to get on the winning track. What? What's it? Oh, we, we have Alan Juban. Oh, okay. You know, it's been a while since we've seen you in the cage. Of course, you haven't fought since August of uh, 2017. Now, what's sort of been the reason for the layoff as to why you haven't been in the cage? The UFC. Man, I've been trying to get a fight. I, uh, I'm a guy that since... Um... I mean, since since I started fighting, but in my UFC career especially, I like to stay active. I like to stay active and yeah. fight as many times as I can. Uh, I was having trouble getting a fight. I don't know what it was. Uh, I was in talks with Sean Shelby asking for a fight. 
and it just couldn't get done for a while. Finally, they gave me this one against Ben in February, but I was trying to fight back in December. It just it just never happened. Was it a case of opponents turning down fights, or they, they just there was no matchups on cards? Like, what was sort of was, was there sort of like a catalyst for it? I don't know. I wish I knew. Um, I don't know if they, you know I, I, they weren't telling me if opponents turning on fights. I think to be honest, the UFC is a what have you done lately game. I was coming off of a loss a lot of times with the matchmakers. They want to get their guys that are coming off of a win or their money makers, their their big name guys, the pay per view guys. They get those guys matched up first, and then they push me to the back burner coming off of a loss. So. I think they took their time with the matchmaking. They felt like they weren't in a rush, really. Uh, but as a fighter, we're we're training year-round. We're trying to get fights. We're trying to pay our bills. Um, so for me, I was training the entire time, getting better. But I wanted that I wanted that date. I wanted that fight so that I could have a date and a goal or something to look forward to rather than training my butt off for six months and possibly getting burnt out. Yeah. No, I, I hear you for sure on that. You can see that full interview at FightfulMMA.com. For Alan Juban, this is a big fight. He's lost two in a row. Ben Saunders is a reasonable opponent, type of guy who's going to win two or three, then lose one, win two or three, lose one. I think one of those losing ones could be against an Alan Juban, but this is another one of those fights that you just look at. And like when it's announced, you, you don't pay much attention to it. Then when you see it coming up on Saturday, you're like, oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is going to be a good scrap. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you, you threw me off guard there with the whole... Oh, well, like, hold on. Wait. The next fight is Gilbert Burns, Oliver, Abby, and Mercer. We have both of them. No, I'm just We do have both of them. We do have both of them at Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com, but I didn't put them on the guest list. I only told Joe about two of these guests. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. This is awesome. Awesome. Good job, James. <laughs> Excellent job, James Lynch. Kind of reminds me of an old episode of, of UFC Central. This was what all my team shows. <laughs> Uh, any Cana- I think Luca Matei is one of the Canadians on here, but anyone that ever used to watch my old TV show, this is what it was like. Yeah. It was me throwing to interviews back and forth, guests on the show, features, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's the quick, it was, and it, we were only on for 30 minutes. Yeah. Not 90, and that includes commercial, commercials. So not 90 minutes like you and I are here. So imagine trying to jam pack all that information oh, yeah. in there. Telling you guys, fightfulmma.com, we have all your news. We're not backed by a USA Today or an SB Nation or anybody like that. This is a very independent uh, website, and we we make the best with the awesome people that we have, and we that's why Jimmy is like, all right, go out and get Showdown Joe, get James Lynch, go out and get people that that can do cool different things, and James Lynch has done awesome stuff for us, and like I said, independently owned. Uh, before we go, Conor McGregor, how close do you think he is to perhaps fighting again? I'm Adam, and he's suspended for a year. Yeah, right. I think that it is brilliant that the <laughs> UFC put Artem Lobov on that show, that Habib Tony show. And even Artem's like, you know, yeah, I know why they put me on this show. <laughs> like he knows what's up. Yeah. yeah. Do you think I we get do we think you think we get the image? Like I remember there was the image, I think it was of Jose Aldo fighting, and I think he had won a fight or knocked somebody out, and then in the background you just see Conor McGregor standing there, staring into the cage, gazing into the cage. Do we get that? You never know. You never know. I think. I mean, it's 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 hard to say, but I think you're bang on with with what you're getting at. Yeah, 
Guys, you all can follow me at Sean Ross at Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. This Saturday, we have UFC Orlando live coverage. I will do a post-show wrap-up right after that. And, of course, WWE Elimination Chamber this Sunday. For wrestling fans, I have a Fightful Books at Mini Podcast and an alternate commentary for the 2006 Extreme Elimination Chamber. Of course, the post-Smackdown show tonight. Uh, we have f- both serious and fun news over at Fightful.com. Uh, we're, if, if you're going to cover MMA and boxing and pro wrestling, you got to at least have fun with it sometimes. But Joe, what do you got going on this week, man? Same old, same old, same old, same old, man. Work, 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 and more work. And I'm obviously paying attention to what you're saying on, on social media. And, you know, every morning, wake up. Well, I should say every morning. Every morning I wake up, coffee, check out Fightful MMA. Later on in the evening, as soon as my son falls asleep, what did I miss? But my Twitter is always going up and down, up and down with the updates. But, uh, yeah. It's it's uh, keeping everything up to date and, and of course watching fights and seeing what's going on with uh, the next Titan show the uh, the next Ryzen show uh, got to get ready for those start watching some fights with that and there may be some other things on the horizon I'm not to the point where I'm making any promises but I'm I'm juggling some some offers to see if I want them or not so we'll see nice awesome guys Fightful.com follow us until next time guys we are out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.